0: This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires you and guides you and build your faith. God bless and enjoy this message. Uh, but this morning, of course, you know, I've come here to, to give a message um, this morning, and I believe that God has placed this on my heart for somebody in here today. And if it's not for somebody out here, it's for me. And I'm believing that God has something for us this morning, but the title of my message is titled, Keep Knocking. Keep knocking. Look at your neighbor and say, keep knocking this morning. We're going to be in Acts 12 today, and we're going to be talking a little bit about Peter. (laughs) I love talking about Peter. Peter is a great, great um, person to look at in the Bible, but we're going to be in Acts chapter 12 and verse 16, and it says this. But Peter kept on knocking. Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished, it says. They were astonished. Can we pray this morning? God, I ask that you would just be with us, God, in this place. God, that you would be with me today, God, and you would be with each and every person in the seats today, God, and in this house. God, I ask that you would just deliver something to us today, God. God, that we would be blessed, God, and humbled this morning, Lord. God, that we would literally keep knocking, God. God, we love you and we thank you. I'm honored by your presence today. Amen and amen, amen and amen. You know, the first thing that I have to say today is that we have to be careful as to how we judge things. We have to be careful with how we judge things because you know what, sometimes it's perilous to judge a person by a single action, by just one action. It can be perilous at times, you know, because life is far too complex, right? We all know that. Life is too complex. It's far too complex and it's too intricate for that. Life is precious, right? We shouldn't take it for granted each and every single day, but we have to be careful about how we judge a person and how we do it. And sometimes we shouldn't even do it at all, right? We probably shouldn't most of the time anyway, but every man who has ever lived has had a purpose and a passion in their life. Do you have a purpose and passion today I believe you do I believe you do but every man is who has ever lived all right, every man who has ever lived has had a purpose and a passion in their life but yet under pressure that very same man can sometimes can sometimes be greater than he really is or sometimes even be less than they really are it just happens that's what pressure does to us at times but we're gonna be looking like I said at the, at the life of Peter this morning and of course that's a great example of this about pressure, pressure circumstances, pressure situations, how he dealt with it. But we're gonna be looking at the life of Peter and there are moments you know, when he flashes greatness, right? He's just a great person, okay? It's somebody in the Bible that we're like, man, we could get behind him. He flashes that greatness and then there are moments when he appears to be nothing more than just a pawn in the hand of the enemy. There's two sides of the story to his, to his life. But I don't think we even have to look past just the waning hours of the Lord's life to kind of look at Peter and the example and what I'm referen- uh, referencing to this morning. You know, because one moment he grabs a sword, right? He takes the sword, he cuts off the ear of one of the high priest's soldiers, right? And then next thing, Peter is in the fray to defend the Lord. He cuts off the, the, uh, the soldier's ear. He's there to defend the Lord, right? He's there to, you know, take um, step in front of whoever was trying to take his friend, the Lord. But if you look a few hours later, what does Peter do? He starts to muffle off, right? He, he starts to think about the terrible things and, and guess what, he starts to deny the Lord. He just cut off the soldier's ear to defend him, but a few hours later, now he's what, he's denying. Right? He's denying the Lord um, because he, he literally might uh, drift off from defense to denial in this thing. But it would be a terrible thing to just judge Peter in that one single night of his life. I think we can all agree of that. It'd be hard to and it would not be a good thing to just judge him in this one single night of his life. But we're going to be noticing this morning the variableness uh, of what Peter's words had to say. And I'm going to go through a few verses here, and you're going to kind of see the context of, uh, of uh, you know, what he had to say to us from the New Testament. But several in Luke, several in Matthew and Mark and John. But this morning we're going to start in Luke 5 and 8, and I don't have these up on the screen because I've just kind of paraphrased them. But it says, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. This is one of the first things that he that he spoke. Uh, Luke 18, he says, we have all left, or we have left all We had to follow you, okay? We have left all that we had to follow you. He also said in Matthew 16 and uh, 22, he says, never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. He was defending him in this moment. Matthew 14 and 28 says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Of course, this is when, you know, the Lord walked on the water, right? They walked on the water. Matthew 14 and 30, it says, Lord, save me. Because what? In that same moment, he didn't believe. He didn't believe that he could do it. And so he starts asking, Lord, save me in this moment. Mark 5 and 31 and also Luke 8, uh, uh, 45 says, You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you ask, Who touched me? Who touched me? Like I said earlier, these are just some examples this morning. Simon, uh, Simon Peace, Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He also said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of... Eternal life. This is when they started to walk with him, right? They were with him. Matthew also says, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Matthew 18 and 21 says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Up to seven times. He also said, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you (laughs) imagine that even if I have to die with you I'll never disown you and all the other disciples did the same when they were in the upper room he said you shall never wash my feet that's what he was saying because he was honored by the Lord he was honored by the Lord he didn't want him to do that that was his job to him and he said Lord not just my feet but my hands as well and then all of a sudden guess what he's saying he's saying I don't even know that man I don't even know that man he had literally walked with Jesus this entire time, and now all of a sudden he said, I don't know that man. John 21 says, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. So now he's asking for forgiveness in this. Now he's at the point that he's asking forgiveness in this and forgiveness. You know, this was just a sampling of some of Peter's comments in the scripture this morning. His words mark him just as ours do. You could look at that timeline right there and and just mark Peter for who he was in those moments. Just like us, just like us, our words mark us. It tells our story. You know, he would often hastily run into sacred territory like a blind bull full of arrogance, full of arrogance. But on the other hand, despite these remarks that Peter made, his heart was always close to repentance. His heart was always close to repentance. He was always looking at to, uh, ways to better himself. You know, it would do us all well when we look at men to make sure that we don't judge them for just a day, but rather the course of their life. Rather the course of their life, how they look over time. You know, I'm thankful that the Lord does not take my own life and just sum, sum it up into single moments, because sometimes he would not want to see me driving. <laughs> right? I think we can all agree this morning. There's times in our lives, those those single moments that we deal with, that we, were, we would just hope at the end of the day that the Lord does not, right? He does not just look at those little bits and pieces of our life, but he looks at the whole thing. And we're thankful for that. We're thankful for that. You know, Our worst times and our best times are not really good indicators of what we are as a whole. And I think we can agree with that this morning. So like I said, the title of my message is Keep Knocking. Acts 12 and 16 again says, but Peter kept on knocking. He kept on knocking. He kept on knocking at the door. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. They were astonished. You know, if I am to scrutinize uh, the life of Peter, the life of Peter and make a determination as to who he really is. This text from Acts is a good indicator. And I'm, we're going to talk about why this is a good indi- uh, indicator because this is what made him. This is what made him. This verse right here is what made Peter because the Bible says that he continued knocking. He continued knocking. He wanted to go further. He continued to knock. You know, there are some great lessons that we find from this passage of his life. And number one, it takes courage to keep knocking. It takes courage to keep knocking. You know, this common act of Peter uh, knocking, this, this thing that we all do at somebody's door. I know most people have garage doors now, but when you go up to somebody's door, you don't know you knock on it, right? This common act of Peter knocking proves to us that courage was deep down in his heart. Where is courage today for you? Where is your courage? Peter's courage was deep within his heart. The time is somewhere around 3 to 6 a.m. as the Bible notes that the angels set him free on the fourth watch. You know, somewhere in the distant east, the sun is starting to show over the, uh, the horizon. You know, the roosters are beginning to uh, stir up in the chicken coops. The people who are sleeping are in range between a deep sleep and a restless moment and movement. And this is of a man just settling in for his nap. He's been, he's been up all night. But here's the apostle who is on the street knocking at somebody's door, knocking on the door. You know, there had been a day just a few years earlier where he had been in a panic stricken state, right? He was in a panic just a year earlier. He was running around because he was worried. He was worried. Somebody was going to find him that somebody was going to recognize him. He was running around in a panic state because he had denied the Lord. He had feared the soldiers in this moment, right? He was worried. He didn't want to be caught. He didn't want to be, he didn't want to be caught. He knew that his life was about to be snuffed out because of his association with Jesus. So what did he do? He denied Jesus. He denied him. He ran away. He got away from the situation. All of that now was gone from Peter. Okay, this is a year later. All of it's gone from Peter. He was filled with courage, right? He was able to sit back and he was able to think about what he had done. He was trying to change as a person. You know, there is a quality that comes to all of us in, in moments like this when we lean on courage. When we lean on courage that is otherworldly. You know, it's a courage that does not just come because we will, uh, that, that, we, uh, that we will it there. Okay, we can't just will that kind of courage. We can't just say, I'm gonna be that courageous, right? I'm gonna be that crea- uh, cur- courageous. It is a courage that just does not come if we will it to be there, but because God has breathed it into us. Because God has breathed it into us. You know, courage caused Peter to keep knocking, courage caused Peter to keep on knocking. You know there are moments in life that you know we act courageously because of the adrenaline that's rushing through our bodies the passion that fuels the action you know here in oklahoma we're no strangers to severe weather right we're no stranger to severe weather we're no strangers to first responders we know what they are and we know what they do and I think about uh, you know, first responders in moments like these where they have to literally get out of their car. They may have been at work all day, right? And they're going home and they have to get out of their car because the tornado just hit. And that courage that they had to just go up to a school. I know the last big tornado that went through more, we had people that were just getting off work that was jumping out of their cars to help get the you know, buildings up as much as they could and get people out of there but it's that kind of courage that i think about that adrenaline fueled courage that people have you know they put out you know fires they help rescued people whatever it may be but they respond with an energy that's marked by courage they respond with an energy marked by courage but yet the tr- most uh, the truest courage of life is often displayed when life is just muddling along when we're just in the mundane you know, this kind of courage is not spectacular, it's, it's not showy, because it moves in the shadow of a dark street. It comes in the dull seclusion of a home. It comes with the mundane moments of commitment to a family. It comes in the routine of just getting up in the mornings and doing your normal tasks. It shows up when weariness tugs in your dreams and in your visions. It shows up when it would be easier to just disappear from life. It comes when the acceptable thing to do might just be to quit. Might just be to quit. Courage comes when we shut our ears to the catcalls of uh, vagrant whims. Courage comes when we are willing to bear our cross on a regular and on a daily basis. That's when that courage comes. The mundane, the steps that we take each and every day. The routine that we're in. You know, life will soon reveal to you that men are the most uh, heroic when they learn to do things when they are uh, least feel like doing them. I guarantee you those first responders don't go out that day and be like, I'm going to save somebody today, right? I'm I'm just going to save someone today because I need to do some sort of heroic act. But sometimes, like I said, the most heroic thing is when they learn to do things when they least feel like doing them. They least feel like doing them, you know, because you won't get very uh, far along the way if you give in with, to every single whim to quit and throw in the towel. You're not gonna get very far if you just wanna quit at all times. If you just say, well, that got too hard for me. That got too tough for me. I can't do that anymore. Peter could have just quit and said, you know, I'm just never gonna go back to that life. I'm never gonna help more people. I'm just gonna quit right here and there. You know, there is something about duty that presses a man to keep on knocking. You know, I urge you to crush under your feet all the moods and feelings that tell you that the grass is greener, or the grass is better than somewhere else, because we have to press on through all of that. We have to press on through all of that. You know, a man comes to bear his cross with great courage. Do you have great courage this morning? You know, this was one of the greatest qualities of Jesus. He had the courage of continuing. He had the courage of continuing. You know, through ridicule, misery, shame, and suffering, he just kept going. I can't imagine what he went through. I can't imagine what he went through when when they, they put the crown of thorns on his head and they made him carry that cross all that way by himself after they had beaten him, after he had starved to death. I can't imagine that. He suffered, right? He was put through uh, ridicule, but guess what? He just kept going because he knew at the end of the day, he knew at the end of the day what it meant to us, what it meant to God, what it meant to God. You know, Charles Allen, and I'm gonna talk a little bit about him uh, later, but he wrote this poem called Keeping On. And it says, I've dreamed many dreams that never came true. I've seen them vanish at dawn. But I've realized enough of my dreams, thank God, to make me want to dream on. I've prayed many prayers when no answer came. But I've waited patiently and long. But answers have come to enough of my prayers to, keep me keep, uh, to make me keep praying on. I've trusted many a friend who failed and left me to weep alone. But I've found enough of my friend's true blue to make me trusting, keep trusting on. I've sown many seeds that fell by my way or fell by the way for the birds to feed upon, but I've held enough golden sheaves in my hand to make me keep sowing on. I've drained the cup of disappointment and pain. I've gone many days without song, but I've sipped through the nectar or I've sipped enough nectar from the rose of life to keep me or to make me want to live on, to make me want to live on. The second thing is it takes understanding to keep knocking. So it takes courage, but it also takes understanding to keep knocking, to keep knocking. Not only does it require courage to keep knocking, like I said, it takes understanding. It takes understanding. If you contrast Peter with Naaman, the picture becomes even clearer in this. you know, When Naaman was told to go dip in the Jordan, he thought the prophet was making light of him. He flew into a rage and he literally almost missed his miracle. He almost missed his miracle in this. You know, if Peter would have misinterpreted as Naaman did, he would also have left in a great rage and it wouldn't have been good for Peter in that moment, what he had just gone through. But Peter, what did he do? He continued to knock. He continued to knock. You know, if we are honest with ourselves, we must admit that there are times that we are also guilty of misinterpreting our experiences, misinterpreting our experiences. You know, when we knock on a door and no one answers, it can grate at us, right? We really could lose our patience if we saw somebody looking in the window, but they won't come up, open up the door for us, even though we're knocking. That's exactly what happened to Peter Rhoda came and, and looked at him and then didn't open the door. But Peter understood perfectly because he was able to put himself in Rhoda's shoes. For it was only a bit earlier in the night when he was awakened by what he thought was a ghost, right? But the reality of it was is that it was an angel. It was an angel. And now the people in the house think that Peter is a ghost and so, that he, uh, so he has patience in working with them because he kept knocking, he kept knocking, he kept knocking. It proved that he was full of understanding. He was full of understanding in these moments. You know, because there are times, uh, many times in life that we have to bear the cross of misunderstanding, that we have to bear the cross of misunderstanding. You know, Joseph had to endure uh, misery and misunderstanding, right? His his, uh, life at the time when he worked for the king, was a whole bunch of misunderstanding, right? He was proclaimed guilty of uh, some trumped up charges by Potiphar's wife because she accused him of different things and and there was uh, little that he could say or do to defend himself because this is who? This is Potiphar's wife, right? But yet that incident would later pay a great blessing to his brothers when they stood before him and he did not destroy them with uh, retribution because of what they had done for him. He had learned in that moment to be careful. He had learned that there was misunderstanding and sometimes he shouldn't be so quick to judge. Because of his own uh, trial of misunderstanding, he could grant them freedom and patience. You can keep knocking if you have gone through a trial of misunderstanding or an ordeal of it. You know, there are two words that have to enter into every life. There's two words that have to enter into every life that has ever been lived to be uh, successful in serving the Lord. And those are forgiveness and bitterness, <laughs> forgiveness and bitterness, because if you don't have forgive uh, forgiveness, you're going to limp through life with bitterness. You're going to live uh, you're going to live your life with bitter uh, bitterness. You know, misunderstanding can breed a deep seated bitterness that doesn't easily go away. It doesn't easily go away. It can cripple everything that you want to do in life. That's what bitterness can do for you. That's what bitterness does to you. You know, bitterness puts dangerous germs in our memory banks. It just, every time we see the certain person that we might be bitter to, right? We just think about that same thing over and over again. And it just uh, destroys our life in those moments, destroys our life. In those moments, you know, it can cause a disease of the soul that is soon robbed of the joy and the peace that God can give you that can stack up in your life. You have to keep knocking with understanding. You have to keep knocking with understanding. There has to be, um, you know, understanding that's going to open you up to forgive and forget. Because if you have consumed with uh, your life with misunderstanding, I urge you to come to terms with this to let it go, to let it go and forgive and forget because life is just way too short to be so little. Life's way too short to be so little. You know, uh, grudges can cause much harm to our walk with God. You know, I I came across um, this story of Mr. Charles Allen and I um, read his poem earlier, but um, he told of an event when he was in the fourth grade and this would have taken place back in the 1930s. But he said the superintendent of the school mistreated him because he was trying to get back at Charles's father. The Allens moved out of town and the years flew by. One day during Charles's first pastorate, he heard that his old antagonist was looking for a job with the schools in the area. Imagine that. (laughs) Charles knew that as soon as he told his friends on the school board about the uh, injustice that he had received as a fourth grader that they would not hire the man. He wrote this though. I went to get in my car to go see some of the board members and suddenly it came over me what I had done. Here I was trying to represent him, capital H, him who was nailed to the cross and me carrying a, uh, a grudge. That realization became a, a humiliating experience. I went back to my house, knelt by my bedside and said, Lord, if you will forgive me of this, I will never be guilty anymore. That experience and that promise are among the best things that ever, ever happened in my life. Think about that story this morning. It took courage for him to realize that. That that it may have been a misunderstanding when he was so young. My third point, last thing this morning, is that it takes consecration to keep knocking, because it takes courage to keep knocking. Right? It takes it takes uh, understanding to keep knocking, and it also takes consecration to keep knocking. Here was Peter in the early hours of the morning, knocking on the door without anyone wanting to let him in. Anyone wanting to let Peter in, you know, because just a short time before he was what he was um, in the presence of an angel right he was in the company of an angel and the bible notes that peter got to an iron gate and the angel nudged it open the angel nudged it open now he was standing at a wooden door that refused to budge didn't want to open the people behind it didn't want to let him in the fact remains that in our walk with god we have to go on without the angels it is as if a massive iron gate is, uh, that we dread to face are thrown open by angels and the littlest doors are the hardest to get through. The, little, the littlest doors are the hardest to get through. See, this is where we have the consecration of Peter. He had tasted heaven, right? He got to taste heaven. He got to see the iron gates. He was with an angel and they were, the, the, the gates were blown open, but now he was right back in the life Right, the obstacles that he was in. So what did he do? He kept knocking on the wood door. He kept knocking on the wood door. You know, all of us have those moments like that hour, uh, that uh, hours of great vision. Maybe moments of heavenly visitation. Maybe seasons when heaven seems to be at our attention. <laughs> also, mornings that are graced with angels. And guess what? Then we're suddenly dropped right back in the streets of the, uh, the uh, community, the commonality. We find common doors that don't have angels, but raz- rather hesitant humans who bar the progress of life. It takes consecration to continue in these hours. Jonathan and Rosalinda Goforth were among the first missionaries to China in the late 1800s and early 1900s. But their early ministry showed very little promise, and because of that, Rosa Lind nearly gave up. In her book, Climbing, she writes this, those earliest days and weeks at Chengti were indeed times of testing. Often it seemed, at least to me, all useless, hopeless, like casting bread upon the waters. But one thing helped me more than I could ever tell. I have a Chinese car- uh, carpenter make a good sized blackboard. It was really intended for the children, for, draw- uh, for the drawing of letters, for pictures, and so on. One day when feeling discouraged and in need of help, I opened my Bible and was led to 2 Corinthians 9 and 6. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So impressed was I with the latter uh, clause that I went to the, uh, to the blackboard and printed them out in large letters high up out of the children's reach. For t- uh, more than two years, this promise remained constant before me. An ever pressing incentive to sow bountifully the gospel seed as i have endeavored to picture it even though it's often seemed the seed was cast on stony ground the day came however when my husband and i were permitted to see the bountiful harvest of souls amen hallelujah this morning for our master in that region you know consecration will keep knocking on doors that never seem open that never seem to open You know, it doesn't matter how uh, low the cells dip. It doesn't matter how dim the vision may be. It doesn't matter how high the obstacles may seem. It doesn't matter how challenging the process may be. It doesn't matter how dark the night may be. Consecration keeps knocking. It keeps knocking. It keeps knocking. Guys, we have to keep going. We have to keep going. Even when those doors are shut, even when we're down and out, even when we are quick to judge somebody right those doors we have to keep knocking we have to keep knocking we have to have confidence and courage to keep knocking you know if there was ever a man who demonstrated the mindset of one who refused to quit knocking refused to quit knocking somebody that wasn't going to quit knocking for anything it would be the night that jacob was in his midnight wrestling match. In Genesis 32 and 24, it says this, so Jacob was left alone. Seth, if you could come up here. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak and guess what Jacob replied I will not let you go I will not let you go unless you bless me he refused to quit knocking you can all stand with me this morning he refused to keep knocking he refused to keep knocking so when life brings your biggest trials whatever it may be and you may have felt like a failure so many times before like Peter that he wasn't worthy because he had denied Christ in those waning hours of his life. Even when those times come up, we have to keep knocking. 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 You know, a lot has happened, just I'm just gonna share personal this morning and I think that's okay. But a lot has happened, you know, and not just my life and my family's life over the last couple of years. A lot has happened for many others. You know, just with, with Ashley and then, you know, with sickness and you know, just everything going on. A lot. <laughs> a lot has happened. And there were so many times that I could find myself not wanting to not. You know, so many times that you know, I could I, I could have just said, you know what, I'm just going to quit because there's no reason for me to keep going through this. There's there's no reason this is not going to get better. It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And and uh, <laughs> so many times where I, you know, knelt on my knees and like, God, where are you? <laughs> like, God, where where are you? And, you know, I started to get to those moments where I was just like, you know, I, I just don't know if this is for me. You know, I don't, I don't, I just, I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm so down, I'm so beat beneath the earth. I, I, you know, I'm just having a tough time in my life and my family's having a, you know, miserable time. And I felt like in those moments, he is like, keep knocking <laughs> because there's always something greater on the other side of that door. And so if I'm, here, if I'm here to tell you one thing today is that we have to keep knocking. There's something on the other side. There's something on the other side. And if you ever quit, you're never gonna know. <laughs> you're never gonna know. And I think that's the worst thing to think about, that there may have been something great on the other side of that door, but I just decided to quit. No, no, we can't do that. We have to keep knocking. Keep knocking, keep knocking. Because guess what? Something is gonna be there. Something is gonna be there. Your mindset can change. In those moments, God can touch your life. Isn't that what we're here for? Isn't that what we're here for? It's beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing because yes, Peter denied Christ and he probably felt like the worst person on the earth. He was running away, he was scared. But guess what a year later, He had asked for repentance. He had come back. He had kept knocking at this door. And even when he saw the people inside, they weren't going to let him in. Guess what? He didn't stop. He kept knocking and he kept knocking and he kept knocking at that door. Let me in. I want more. Let me in.